Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell them you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. An Intentional Encourager podcast on the road. You see, we're not in our normal studios, but hey, that's okay. We re- The beauty of podcasting is that you can record anywhere. If you get a little microphone, you get a little webcam, you get your computer, See, now my West Virginia is starting to come out. You get a little webcam, you get your computer, and, you know, now I'm really talking like a hillbilly. But, again, I have got an Indiana girl on the podcast with me, an Indiana resident, and she is the founder of BattleCryMoms.com. So you can go to www.BattleCryMoms.com and find out more about her ministry, her organization. But you can find her right here, right now. On the Intentional Encourager podcast, and that is Debbie McNinch, who joins me today. Debbie, how are you? Oh, I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it is my pleasure. So let's start here. Everybody has had a different experience around COVID-19. And it feels like where I am, uh, as we're recording this, I'm on Long Island in New York. And so... Everybody's walking around maskless. It's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. And, and I'm just enjoying that, that, that bit of freedom. Take me through the last couple of years. How have things been for you and your family around the pandemic? What is a lesson that you've learned in this time that you'll carry through once everything just kind of dissipates and calms down, if you will? You know, I live in a small town in Indiana, so in some ways, you know, I'll have to say it's very conservative, so we probably didn't do a lot of the, I should say, like masking and some of the other rules that some of the bigger cities have done, so a lot of it, I feel like, has been just kind of normal, but um, one of the best things that kind of came out of that is I was able to volunteer at a local church that always had had this food ministry on Wednesday nights where they fed people. And then when COVID hit, um, they couldn't invite people into the church to serve. So we kind of, a few of us got together and decided to start a drive-through meal. And so we started serving the first week, you know, we didn't know they would serve about 
40, 50 people every Wednesday inside. And we really wasn't sure, you know, with the COVID, like if people would come or what. But the yeah. first week, I think we served 150 and it only grew from there. And you so guys at were the giving height, McDonald's and Taco Bell a run for the right? money. Because like, there's nothing like, better than good church it was, cooking. Right? It was home cooked meal. I'm telling yeah. you, it was good stuff. See, and you so, can't get that. See, we have a, we have a place called Tudor's Biscuit World oh. that does that. Right. Only in West Virginia can you have right, a biscuit right. world place, right? Biscuits are life. So, yeah, they you know. exactly. <laughs> but they do they do um they close at like four o'clock in the afternoon and they do those home cooked meals. Like you can get baked steak and gravy, you can get meatloaf, you can get um beans and cornbread to take home right. with you and things like that. Just good comfort cooking food and things like that. What did you notice? about the people that you guys were serving with these home cooked meals because you know depending on you know chicken and dumplings and things like that right people tend to gravitate to those home cooked meals you know in in and you hear a lot of commercials about meals on wheels helping the senior citizens mm -hmm. and things like that what did you find from people that you were distributing these meals through that would normally be coming in to the church, but now you're, you're passing them out the window. What was there? Was there something, was there that V8 moment, that aha moment? Like, Oh wow, this is, this is more powerful than what we realized. Yeah. I think for me, definitely, you know, you have a lot of people that, um, you know, a lot of us have pride that, you know, stepping inside the church, to get ministry and to get resources is very hard for them to do, but there was no shame in pulling up to the curb and having us hand them something through the window. And as the time went on, we started offering prayer on the sidewalk, which ended up being the best part about the whole thing. And so we were out, you know, we were laying hands on the sick. We were, you know, prophesying over people and, and the things that they were going to do in their life. And it became such a ministry, such a beautiful time just with people to offer them hope, you know, and that's one thing I think we all, all of us that volunteered during that time really just learned was that every, you know, people need hope. And we were able to offer that through, you know, some mashed potatoes and gravy and a prayer on the sidewalk. And so it was such a beautiful time. You know, when I think back of COVID and what we went through, um, you know, I think of the joy that we were able to bring people and the hope that we were able to bring people. And that's what sticks out much more than, you know, all of the other things that we think of when we think about COVID. Do you feel like, and, and I, I love what you said about the joy that you guys provided. And I wrote that down, the joy you provided your community through food. And, and I'm still, if you're listening to this, I'm still kind of jotting that down because here's what's kind of running through my mind right now is that food is a good, is a uniter. It's always been something that unites people, you know, whether it's a business lunch where people are getting together or it's Sunday after church when, when families go out to eat and they connect. Um, or whether it's in, in, and in my family growing up, my aunt always made, and for, for those of you, that's aunt, A-U-N-T. -A <laughs> we say aunt in West Virginia. I grew up right. saying aunt. My aunt used to cook meals on Fridays 
we'd have fish and French homemade French fries and things like that. Or my aunt would just cook during the week. And my, and my, my, uh, my dad would call and he would say, Hey, what are you guys doing this evening? Oh, nothing. My wife's getting home from work. And he's like, well, come up. Your aunt's made some, some dinner. It was his sister. Food is such a uniter. Did you find that people were more receptive and more open to share with you the needs that they had when you guys were handing them food? I got to think, and, and I'm not trying to lead that, that question in a certain way, mm-hmm. but, but just putting myself in the moment, Debbie, a lot of people will open up and talk about things that they may not want to share unless you're breaking bread with them. Did you guys find right. that to be the, I, the situation? Yes. I think so. I mean, you know, any of us could talk about a church building on Sunday morning, people walk in, you know, you're not standing in the lobby, just in launching into, you know, your story of what you need and and what you need prayer for. But, you know, this, this, the way we did this just really afforded the opportunity for us to say, Hey, how's your day? And sometimes that was all it took for people just to burst into tears, you know, and, and just, for us to be able to be there and offer a word, you know, from the Lord for them, a verse for them, you know, and just a prayer for them. And so definitely just that connection of, they knew they were going to see us this Wednesday, but guess what? Next Wednesday, they were going to see us again. And so it was just that every week we, we provided that stability for them that not everybody has, not everybody had a church home, you know, even before COVID, not everybody has a church family. And so we became the sidewalk church family to, almost 300 people every week and you know that that, that's funny because you have people that and 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 i'll call it unchurched and 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 again Mm -hmm. folks i'm not trying to take this in a a church slant or any stretch of the mat you you guys know that the regular listeners to the intentional courage podcast i have shared my faith on this podcast many times so you know where i stand Mm -hmm. but to, to have people, and, and, and again, I'm not trying to get a certain way. We were very quick when the pandemic started to talk about the frontline workers. And there's nothing wrong with honoring those people. Nothing at all. We were cooking meals and things like that. But we had people that were going, we had other people that were that were in certain jobs that were facing some of the same struggles they were seeing things themselves too and it's almost like we kind of said well we're going to focus on these people and we're going to leave these other people out i kind of felt like that we weren't balanced in that moment because again yes did the frontline work yes the frontline workers that started that thing they saw a lot but there were a lot of people that did too there were a lot of people that were trying to, to make an impact. When you look back, is there something you wish you had done differently or a moment maybe you had handled differently or something like that? Because hindsight's always twenty twenty. Do you look back and say, maybe we could have done this a little bit better? Maybe we could have done this or that? Or do you, or do you take that moment and you go, we birthed something pretty incredible there. What, right. As you look back in that lens, what's the biggest thing that sticks out to you? You know, I, looking back, I wish, you know, 
you think, gosh, I wish I would have given every person a Bible. I wish I would have, you know, done all of these things. But really, I, I kind of like you said, I really feel like we were there in the moment and we answered the call that God, you know, asked us to do. And we were just the hands and feet of Jesus during that, you know, year and a half, two year period. And it was just an honor to be able to just partner with people and other members that came in. Um, the one thing about this church, I was not a member of the church we were serving at and neither were most of the people helping. It was just people off the street that were coming in. And one of the best stories I remember is a few weeks in, a guy walked in off the street with an envelope and, and said, is, is the pastor here? And we said, yeah, he's over there doing dishes. And he walked over and handed him an envelope that had $500 in it and said, you know, I heard about what you guys are doing for the community and I just want to be a part of that. And so it was never about just church people. It was never just about that. It was about just serving our community. And in doing that, we got to share the love of Christ as well. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do, financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Speaking of serving, I, I, I want to transition here very quickly in, in, in the time that we have and make this transition to, to battle cry moms. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into the story of the genesis behind that. But in the last couple of years, what are you starting to hear from parents as as the the pandemic goes on? Because here's where here's where my thought is is that you know, I I I'm the father of of a a young adult son who's a junior in college. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have realized that we've had to parent differently. Because we've we've had to transition of more of of protector, guider, and we're, we're still those things. I find myself transitioning more of into a mentor, you know, kind of transitioning to how my dad was was an influence in my life in my early to mid twenties, just like my son is now. What are you starting to hear from parents out there that reach out to you? about some of the things that they've had to do differently through the pandemic in in helping to parent their children. You know, I think that 
a lot of parents are struggling. Um, you know, the internet is a wonderful thing. <laughs> Social media can be a wonderful thing, but it also, it, it's a struggle for parents to keep up with what is like the next thing that the, that the kids are on, the next app that the kids are on, the next, you know, craze that the kids are, are going for. And as parents, I'm hearing a lot of parents just, just be weary of how hard it is to keep up keeping your kids balanced of not always being online and the things they're seeing and the, and the voices that are, you know, it used to be, we had to worry about like, we would take our kids out and maybe they would see some things or hear some things. And, but now it's like all these voices are coming in and it, but here's the thing, it. Debbie, you don't mean to interrupt you, but here's the thing. That's kind of a universal situation with adults yeah. as well too, because right. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why we started the Intentional Encourager podcast was I saw a bunch of voices that were giving people education and right. telling them to do this and do that. I, I I didn't see a lot of encouragement. Right. I saw a lot of education. I saw, you know, right. a lot of expertise, but I didn't see much encouragement. Right. So when, when you are, when you're walking through this with parents, what's some encourage, what's some intentional encouragement that you give to parents? Because I, I, and, and, and here's where I want to go with this. And the reason I'm asking you this mm -hmm. is I tell people all the time, you can't pour into someone. You can't encourage someone from an empty bucket. You have to get encouraged first. Right. It's like when you fly, they tell you to put your mask on first. Right. So that you can then begin to help other people. And, and I see a lot of things, and forgive me for the long-winded question where I'm leading us, but I hear so many people say, well, I'm just trying to encourage somebody. Well, that's great. That's like saying, I'm just trying to throw a shoe into the, into the ocean and hope you make a wave. If you want to get targeted, it's like doing a cannonball in a pool. You, you know, you, you can dive into a pool or you can make a splash. You, you, you have to be intentional with what you're doing. What are you hearing from some parents and how do you intentionally encourage those parents that are saying, I'm weary. I don't know what to right. do. I'm struggling. Right. So kind of like you said, you know, we're, you know, I, I am a, a Christian and so, and I would consider myself an evangelical Christian even. And so most of the parents that are on battle cry moms, moms that have come on there are Christian moms that are worried about their kids and are praying for their children. And so we really focus on, um, we have a, we call it a battle plan, a five-step battle plan. And so we really focus on just different things that we as parents, that the things we have control over. And one of that is pouring into ourselves first. I have to know who I am in Christ. And I have to know who he says I am. And I have to know his word. And I have to have that in my heart before I can start pouring that out into my family. And so we really work on just building each other up. And if they, you know, we're, I'm, I always, I love the title of your podcast because I consider myself an encourager and I've always considered myself a connector. And I love to just connect people. And I love to connect people, not just with each other, but with, with the Lord that loves them. And so I yeah. love to be able just to encourage people um, and say, you know what, this is your bad day. 
let's take that apart and see what we can do, you know, what we can offer to the Lord and what he can do. And when it comes to the kids, you know, we work on just, we talk about ways we can pray for them. What are specific things that we can pray? You know, what are specific um, verses that we can pray over our kids, specific things we can ask the Lord for? What are the declarations? What does God's word say they are that we can declare over their kids and just yeah. tell them that, you know, we can just speak over them saying, you know, well, this is what the Lord says you are. You say, you know, I'm this, this, and this, cause you're having a bad day kid, but you know, this is what the Lord says you are. And well, so you just can, being able you to can do take, that. yeah, you can take that and forgive me for jumping right. in there, but you can take that even folks that are out there that might be saying, well, gee, Brian, Debbie, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Right. I'm not a person of right. faith in air quotes, but you know, you can still encourage your kids. Right. right. Encouragement is not just central to Christians. Right. You know, God, you know, the God didn't say encouragement is just for those that follow me and serve me right. and live for me. Encouragement is universal. And so I love what you said there, but I want to, I want to jump back to something you said just a minute ago, taking apart a bad day. That is really insightful because I've never really heard somebody say, um, and you hear a lot more people, Debbie, mm -hmm. hear a lot more people say, well, find the good things that you did and really build on the, that's great. But sometimes you have to take apart a bad day to figure out where it is. Where did that philosophy first birth inside of you and take root right. inside of you? That is so good. Taking apart a bad day. I had, I just had to pull a little right. more conversation out of that. that right. You there. know, I grew up in, without a father, um, just a single mom raised three kids and we were super poor, um, you know, very, just a lot of poverty, but my mom was just always full of joy and just always an encourager. And so I just, I, I feel like that is just something my whole life. I've just always tried to see the good, be the good, see the good. And, you know, a bad day is that's a bad few minutes of a day, you know, a whole bad day, you know, is not a whole bad life. And so don't make it that don't make it a bad week, you know, just take it apart for what it is and say, what didn't work today and say, okay, tomorrow, I'm going to try to make it work differently. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of been the motto of my life. You know, I went through a lot of heartache growing up and a lot of just heartache, just figuring out who I was throughout the years. And so I just really feel like that was just kind of a motto, just something that my mom probably put in me. And then just in my Christian walk that I've just always had people pour into me, you know, don't make just a bad set of circumstances that doesn't rule your life. That's not who you are. That's not what your life is about. I got to ask you because you, you talk about growing up without a father and you know, a lot of people, I had a strong father in my mm -hmm. life. You know, there were times when I was little, my dad was off doing other things like that. But in my teenage years, young adult, all the way up, my, my dad passed away when I was 40. I had a strong father figure in my mm -hmm. life. I had a strong dad in my life. How important was it to you when you found a mate and chose a mate? Because people that grow up without either a father or mother in the house. So, you know, and, right. and yes, it does happen where, where dads, you know, something happens with the mom and dad raises the girls or dad raises mm -hmm. the kids. More times than not, it's the single mother. Right. How important was it to you when you became an adult 
to find a person to marry that was going to be stable and be there for your kids. Because I have to think, and again, yeah. the reason I ask this is I would think it would tend to have you lean to someone that was like, listen, if I'm going to have kids with you, don't do to me what, what happened right. to me when I was a kid. Right. So how important was that to you when, when you began to, to date and then find the person that you were going to marry? Oh, it was very important. I, I had a mindset of, I will never get divorced. And so I knew that when I was going to get married, that it was going to be forever. You know, early on, you know, I would joke, be like, I may kill him before I divorce him, but I'm not going to divorce, you know, I mean, you have to get to that mind that it, this was forever. I made a commitment for, before God. And I said, this is going to be forever. That doesn't mean it's going to be happy. You know, we had, we've, we had good times. We had bad times like every marriage does. We just celebrated last year, our 30th wedding anniversary by the grace of God that, yeah. that we have made it that far. But You're um, five you know, years ahead of my wife and I, we did 25 <laughs> last year. So Right, right. You know, we get at like a medal or something, I think, if you get that. How, far, how did you do it? You look so much younger than I do. Did I, you marry when you were 10? Is that what I was, happened? I was like 12. You know, yeah. I am blessed with a young face. And so that is the curse. You are, if yes, you are it. blessed with a young face. I'm actually face. older than you are, but <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, you know, I have, everybody has issues. And I think for me, um, not having a father that has, that has, um, rolled over into some different areas, probably in my younger marriage years, I was very, don't tell me what to do. I don't need a dad kind of, you know, attitude. Um, it took me a long time, you know, to really realize my role um, in being the wife and him being the husband and what that really meant and, and accepting that role, because I had such a strong mother that, you know, I was kind of raised more, you know, I'm, I'm a strong independent woman and I don't need no man. That was kind of more the, the way that my mom raised us, you know, because she was so strong doing what she did. She was a single mom, you know, in the seventies before it was cool, before it was, you know, everybody's a single mom now, but back then it wasn't, real cool to be a single mom. And so, um, I probably had a little bit of Thelma in me at the end, especially the first part of my marriage. And I had to really work through that over the years to learn, um, you know, my role as to what I was and how I balanced him out. And, and it, I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting there. I'm still learning. It's, it's still hard, but, um, you know, I'm very thankful for God, for the, the, the man that he gave me and he's just a wonderful provider and a wonderful mate. And, and I just love him. So, and, and 30 years is nothing to sneeze at it. That that's yeah. quite the accomplishment. And you, you know, I'm sure you're very, I, I was proud when, <laughs> when we got to 25, I was like, right. Wow. Like, we did it. <laughs> we got, yeah, we got here. Yeah. Well, one, we did it. You know? got here in one piece. Absolutely. Right. Take me through your story. I want it. I want to now pivot to your story in the, in the, the last little bit of time that we have left. Right. You mentioned being raised by a single mom and not having a father in, in the house, pick up wherever you want to, to pick up from, um, and, and just tell your story, um, to this audience. Cause I, I mean, right. I think we're going to have some relatability in, right. in the story that you're going to tell. And again, folks, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, right. your kids at, at times will surprise you with things. <laughs> and so uh, again, I, I, I just want to tee it up for you. 
you take it and run with it however you want to. Right. So, you know, I feel like kind of like we talked about, I really thought, you know, because I was raised in such kind of an unstable environment that when I got married and had kids, I was going to have this perfect family. And I kind of lived that perfect family life. You know, we had three amazing kids that we loved dearly. And, you know, we were living the dream, you know, we, we just were living the dream. And so we are all, the oldest two had already graduated and moved out and moved on, you know, and started their lives and, and our, our youngest was just graduating from high school and going off to college. And so, I mean, I was like, check, we did it. Like we did it. You know, we, we, we raised these kids. We didn't have any problems. They were the best kids ever, you know, and now I'm just going to sit down and just wait for the grandkids to roll in. And, you know, this is all gravy from here on out. And then one day my oldest son called us and said, um, mom, I'm transgender. And I, you know, at the time, I didn't even really know what those words meant. And so what, what has happened over the last few years is, you know, I've had to like figure out again, who I am in Christ and how that plays into my story and how, how can I love my child with the decisions that have been made and still love the God that I, that I live for and I serve. And so my story is just a story of transformation and it has nothing to do with the transformation that we were seeing in our child. It had to do with the transformation that I was seeing in me and how the Lord worked me through, through the story. And so, you know, there was a lot of, of just, I don't know at the beginning. And it took me, um, you know, a long time just to be able to kind of get out of bed and and figure out how I was going to face the day and how I was going to face other Christians and you know it just took me a long time to kind of figure out where where this story was going and what God was going to do with it and so I kind of promised myself early on that if I found a way out of the pain that I would just I would always praise him and I would always just give him the glory and I would always say that he was bigger than any single thing that any of our kids could throw at us you know or anything life could throw at us you know and, and I also just promised myself that you know I would find a way to speak about what I was going through because I was a Christian mom in an evangelical world. And this isn't, I don't know if you know, but it's not a real popular topic among Christians. And so, you know, I was going to have to learn how to speak about this. And I was going to have to learn how to speak about it and hold my head high at the same time. And then I also, I just promised myself that if I ever found a way kind of out of this pain and out of this black cloud, that I would, I would make a community for moms like me that didn't yeah. have anybody to talk to that weren't going through anything that Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend Brad Norwood with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experience travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. 
And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, anybody else was. Let me, here's what I'll say. Growing up in a, I I grew up and, and, and still am. I grew up in a Pentecostal church, a very mm-hmm. strong, right. I, I have pictures of my mom as a kid. My mom had the Marge Simpson hairdo. Right, right. My mom had, my mom had the beehive, the tease it to right. Jesus. And, you know, we had a strong pastor. Like my mom would say, she was like, well, you know, the pastor would come, if your hair, you were three or four years old and the pastor would say, well, that boy needs a haircut, you know? And it was like, all right, right. tomorrow mm-hmm. you, she was like, right. you were going to get a haircut. We, I grew up in that same, that same kind of church. Now I'm thankful for my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. Right. Very thankful for it. But we forget a lot of times the one thing that God gives every person in, in, in the world, every human being that takes a breath, if you make it to the age of accountability, right. where you understand right from wrong, mm-hmm. God has one thing that he has supplied all of us that kicks in, and that is free will. Right. You have the choice whether or not you want to serve God. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not welcome. He doesn't. You know, the the Lord is not going to beat your door down and say, you have to serve me. And so putting myself in that position and kind of thinking, okay, as much as I want my child to be a Christian and my son is a Christian, if my son decided tomorrow that he was going to walk away mm-hmm. from serving the Lord, as a father, I'd have to say, you know what? I don't like it. Right. But you have a free will. That's right. You have a free will. How long did it take you to come to terms from a spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. and I'll go here for those that, right. that, that those that want to, to go with us. I want to go here for just a second. How long did it take you to understand that your son still mm-hmm. had a free will right, to, to choose whether, because again, it could be, and I'm, I'm not excusing or right. anything like that. I'm just simply pointing out that mm-hmm. every person on the planet has right. a free will. We do. How long did it take you to come to terms with the fact that this was the path that he was choosing? You know, at first I was in denial for a long time and I thought maybe it was just going to be a phase or because I know in our circumstance, there really were no, um, there was nothing in, in his past that would have led me to believe that this was the road we were going down. And so it was that much of a surprise. I always like to joke and say, you could have called and told me the Pope was coming over for supper. And I've been like, that seems a lot more reasonable. Well, Debbie, here's, here's the thing that, that I'll say. 
and, and I want to make this analogy and I'm not saying yeah. anything, but I, I want to make this analogy in, in the Bible. There was a man at Gadarene that was possessed with devils mm-hmm. and Jesus talked about, and when he, when he, when he went to that man, he said, what is your name? And the devil speaking through him said, Legion, for we are many. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the scripture does it record what his parents were going through right. or thinking. Because right. this man, the Bible tells us in that scripture, this man, people were afraid of this man. Right. That he would go and cut himself. He would wander through the, the tombs. He would do all manner of evil things because of the possession. We don't know what his parents were going right. through. We don't know right. the upbringing this, this young man had. Right. All the Bible says is here's a snapshot of his encounter with Jesus and how he was made whole. So I, I, that's what I was thinking about when you were saying mm-hmm. we had no, no idea this was, right. this was coming. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not the first parent that's been blindsided by something. Right. Right. You know, right. We can look all through the scriptures. You know, the parents of Samson raised him right. not to, to have a, a hair of his head be shorn, but they had no idea Delilah was coming into the picture. Right. 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 And so, again, I think parents too many times, forgive me for going here. I just, I just feel like that, that we got to go here for a second. Right. There's too many times that parents don't take enough blame, but parents also get blamed too much. Right. Like you should have controlled that kid. Like you should have, you should have, you know, um, you should have done more. You should have done this or that. Not realizing that you can't control everything. Or if you, or if you're too controlling the way I grew up, if you're too controlling, then people say, well, that kid wouldn't have done that if you had not you know, if you, if you'd have just let him be a boy, let him be, be himself, he wouldn't have done that. Did you ever feel like, did you ever kind of take a step back with your son and say, what if we had done this? What if we had Mm -hmm. done that? Forgive me for going long there. No, but I'm, Um, yeah. Did you ever, what were those times like for you? (laughs) You know, you do, you go through, you go through every single thing you ever did, every, you know, every single thing, every thought you ever had, everything you ever took them to, we moved a lot, you know, was this the reason? I mean, you really, you know, the Satan really, you know, the problem is that he puts it on us that we, he wants us to have this shame. And so, you know, when you, when you go to church and you're in these little church communities and Christian communities, they're all, they all seem very perfect. You've got all these little perfect families you're looking at. And then, you know, you have this information and you walk in and you're like, I don't fit into this little thing anymore, you know, and then you start thinking, how come, what happened? What happened to us? Why us? You know, what did we do? I must've done something wrong. You know, I, we went to the ballet one time. Did this, did that cause it? You know, I mean, you start thinking of all of these things because there's no, there's no like reason you think this could have happened. So there has to be like some crazy explanation, you know, as to, to what has happened, but you know, I've just found that it took me so long to just get to that point of being able to say, I did my best. 
you know, I, we raised them in church. We raised them. They went to Christian school. They went to Christian college. They went to, you know, Christian everything. And, and we planted the seed and the word in their heart, but it just didn't grow. And so, you know, I had to just get to the point of laying my kids, you know, at the feet of, of, of my savior and saying, they're your problem now, (laughs) you know, you're going to have to bring them back because there is nothing I can do. Cause if I could do it, I would have already done it. And so, you know, that he's going to have to work out, you know, his own salvation and he's going to have to let what the Holy Spirit's just going to have to work on his heart. And I like to say, you know, um, my kid's not, you know, not a Christian because he's transgender, you know, he's not a Christian because he doesn't believe in that Jesus was, you know, his Lord and savior. And so, you know, if, if he comes to that saving knowledge, you know, other things will change, but we yeah. have to get him to that saving knowledge first. And so yeah, revival on the inside always right, promotes revival. on the Right. Outside. But the church is kind of, you know, church culture has kind of built up this, this wall of, yeah. you know, these people have to stay out and don't allow us to, to get our kids to the feet of Jesus. And that's yeah. kind of what battle cry moms is about is just the, support of other moms being able to lay our kids at the feet of the Lord and say, they're, they're yours. And we trust them that you have them and that you're going to bring them back. And that works the same way with, with everything that we do in life, right? Anything that revives on the inside, right. any, any, you know, it, it could be that way. It could be someone that decides not to drink anymore, not to smoke right. anymore and makes a decision or, or, or decides to get better health what happens internally is going to manifest itself itself externally. I've got to ask you real quick. Mm-hmm. How's your husband? Because I, I would be remiss right. if I didn't ask from, from the male right. perspective. Right. I'm trying to put myself in, you're, you're a mom, obviously. <laughs> right. I'm trying to put myself in the moment of how I would be with my son. How has your husband right. been walking through this with your son and, and, and kind of what, yeah. what have you, how have you guys really leaned on each other through this time? You know, we definitely, um, come at different angles from this. And so, and again, I don't know if there's a right or if there's a wrong, there's just a, this is, this is just what I have to do to, to get up every day. And I think of being the, being the father figure in the head of the home, you know, he definitely carries the guilt of what did I do? What did I miss? What did I, I should have, you know, I worked too much. I did this, I did that. You know, we get back into those, like this was us somehow that caused something. And, you know, he's, he struggles. And I know the dads, you know, I have a mom's group, but we, we pray for the dads in our group as well. And, and a lot of them share that their husbands, um, you know, they struggle with the prodigal kids and, and we have moms in our group that have all kinds of kids. It's not just, um, uh, you know, moms of transgender kids. We have moms that have kids that are just addicted to drugs and we have moms, you know, that have kids that simply don't believe. And so we have all kinds of moms in our group, but, but we do talk about the dads and it, it's very different. I think for the male figure of the house, you know, to, to take that on that, you know, they were my responsibility and somehow I let this happen. Well, and, and so here's it's, some, it's yeah. hard. And here's something else too, Debbie, is, is that you're exactly right. It doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. you probably work with moms that have kids that are, that are in jail. They've right. done, so, they've done something, they've right. broken the law in some way. You have kids that, that have developed a problem with that. I, I had a young man on, on the podcast, um, Alec Casson, 
who developed a marijuana problem while he was in college. And the Lord delivered him from that. And, and he tell, he told his story about being in a dick, being in, in an AA meeting. People like, well, why are you here? You were just smoking some weed. Right. You know, and, and he just kind of feeling like, but, but I'm addicted. I want to get free from this. I want to break. Right. And so it doesn't matter what's caused our kids to go right. astray. It's the fact that, that we can't always guide the choices. Mm -hmm. I, right. my dad couldn't do it with me. You know, I, I, when I became an adult and married and, and, and went out on my own, I was like, Hey, I, I got my own house. And then when I became a father, you know, my son at some point is going to say, I'm moving out. I'm doing my own thing. And at right. that point, you're right. You just have to lay them at the feet of the Lord. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in, in this time that you that you have had this ministry, maybe it's a lesson you've learned for yourself or something. Again, you've had that, that V eight moment where someone said something to you like, ah, that's that, that was really for me. It wasn't, you know, we, we have those, those moments where someone says something in passing and it's like, oh, that's a V eight moment for me. Right. Well, I think kind of even going back to what your podcast is called, you know, I had to, I had a moment where I had to say, I'm either going to let this bury me <laughs> or I am going to let it propel me to what God has for me. And so I had to make that choice that my life turned upside down, you know, overnight in, in a, in a hot minute, you know, my family broke up, um, every dream I had gone in an instant. And I had to either say, you know, it's going to work. I'm going to let the Lord use this and I'm going to be better in the end, or I'm not going to, I'm going to stay in this bed and never get out. And I made that choice that I am not going to let this, you know, bury me. I'm going to let it, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this pain to become my purpose. And I think that's just a lesson for anybody in any, any situation that they're in, that we don't have to, the pain doesn't have to bury us. It can just become our purpose and we can just, and do whatever it is that we need to do to help others through what they're going through because of what we're going through. And I, I hope that is what people, you know, our moms see in my group that, you know, this was never about me. This was never about my story. This was about just a place that I wanted to have purpose in my pain. And I wanted to bring, bring other moms together and, you know, let them have purpose in helping each other as well. And so I think that's the lesson to be, to be learned is just to keep going and to keep encouraging and, you know, bad things are going to happen, you know, especially, you know, to Christians, you know, we think we're going to get saved and it's going to be unicorns and rainbows, but you know, that's kind of not what the word says. It kind of says, you know, in this world, you're going to have some trouble, you know, but there's a, but, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so that has just become my purpose that, you know, Jesus has already overcome all of this. And I am going to just walk it out with grace and without shame and holding my head high until I have accomplished whatever it is he wants me to accomplish through. And I'm going to love my child each and every step of the way through this also. And I won't apologize for that. Yeah. I, I, th I, you know, again, you don't excuse the, the situation and, and I don't right. care what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if your kid is in the wrong, you right. don't excuse the wrong. Right. You simply say, 
I love you no matter what because right. I gave life to you. And and that that's the same thing that that the Lord does for 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 all of us, whether you're a Christian or not. The Lord says, mm-hmm. "I gave life to you. I'm going to love you through because listen, I I have I've been a Christian since I was 9. And there have been so many times that I let the Lord down. Goodness. Right? I I, I mean, I can't count them all. And there have been times that I, I did stupid to to a, a large degree spiritually. Me too. But, you know, God still says, I love you anyway. Because you're mine. pursued us. Yeah, because you know, you're mine. He's pursuing our kids right now. Yeah, and so, yeah, exactly. he's going to keep. And But I have to get out of the way and let him work. And so I have a, a unique situation that I am very close to my child. Yeah. And I and I speak to him regularly. And not every mom has that, you know, luxury. Yeah. And so I'm still able. But, you know, we made an agreement at the beginning that I wasn't going to compromise my values and the things I thought, but I also wasn't, you know, not going to stop loving and supporting, That's you know, as much as I could as a person. And so, um, you know, I, I know the church world, you know, there's, there's, I always say there's two doors, you know, there's yeah. this door of the world that says there's nothing wrong with what they're doing and just accept them. And then there's this door, you know, that says, send them to hell. <laughs> well, and and, gonna, and you know. Debbie, there's been a bunch of moms and dads that have prayed their kids out of a lot worse situations. They prayed their kids out of drug addictions. They prayed their kids out of prison. They prayed their kids out of, um, immorality. Right. Unbelief. Unbelief. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a situation where, you know, you, you just hold on to the point to where you just say, okay, I've done all I can do. And that's the thing. And I've always told my son this, and, and I, I promise I'll get where we're, where we're going to wrap up. But I've always told my son this. I've always said, look, I can sit here and say to you, I've done the best that I could do. Have I always, have I always done that? No. Have, have I made mistakes with you growing up? Yeah, I should have spent, probably spent more time with you. Right. I probably should have done this. I probably should have done that. And, and I've told him, I said, look, if, 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 if I could write all the things down that I regret not doing with you, starting from when you, the time you were born, you'd need notebooks <laughs> yeah. to fill it because, right. I, you know, but all I can do is give you the best I've got today. Right. And, and as, and as long as we're here, we give our kids the best that we've got today, right. or we just say, look, I love you. And, you know, and, and just say, look, I'm proud of you. Encourage our kids. Took me a long time to figure out how to encourage my son. Took me a long time. Mm-hmm. So on that note, share with this audience, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. You know, I think kind of like you said, we don't, don't give up, don't give up on people. You know, don't give up on your kids. Don't give up, you know, on your marriage. Don't give up. You know, there's always hope. And so, uh, you know, that is the one thing that I always want to encourage and say in this message. This isn't a message of doom and gloom. This is a message of joy and hope that I have. And the hope that I have is in the Lord. And so, you know, I hope that other people can just see the joy that I'm not, um, 
you know, I'm not sitting home crying. I'm not saying, you know, that this has ruined my life because it hasn't. This has made my life beautiful. And, you know, because I am walking through some things that I never pictured myself walking through, I have met some amazing people. I have been to some amazing places. You know, I'm having an opportunity to, to write a book now about my journey. And, you know, I just, these are just all good things that have come out of what I thought might kill me at the beginning. And so, you know, just hold on, hold Hold on to hope. There's always a brighter tomorrow. And, you know, I, I believe that the Lord is always going to work it out somehow, some way. And so it's just amazing that he allows us to be along for the journey and um, just cling to him. And I love it. I love that I am his. That's awesome. Debbie, tell folks how they can connect with you. Um, again, we mentioned the website at the top of the, yes. the podcast, battlecrymoms.com. Let people know yes. how they can connect with you in, in other ways besides that. Yes. And so um, you can get, I have a website, a blog. It's um, www.debbymcninch.com. You can um, check with check in with me there. And then if you are the mom of a prodigal child, um, if you, if you're praying for your kids and you need someone to support you, come on over to battle cry moms. We would love to have you there. Um, I, there'll be five questions when you get to our site that you have to answer to get in. And then I am the one that reads those and approves people to be in. It's a private community, not just anybody can join. And so we would love to have you there. Um, we would love to be able to just walk with you and encourage you. And so find us. And I, I hope you look us up because we, we would love to have you. Debbie McNinch.com D E S B B I E M C M C N-I-N-C-H. N-I-N-C-H. Yeah, that's easy. The Debbie part I remember, that's my mom's name. So yeah, remember that. Oh, yes. There you go. But battlecrymoms.com and go there to connect with Debbie and her resources. Again, if you just want, if you've got a troubled kid and you want to just connect or you just want to say, hey, I want to support what you're doing, go there and get those resources. Debbie McNinch, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. It was awesome. Thank you so much. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.